from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. One of the amazing things that seems to happen in our world is that the myth can take over from the facts, the the real thing, the true story. Uh, The event can take place, but as time goes on, the story gets retold and added to and modified and changed, and in the end, it doesn't really look like the real thing at all. In fact, it's pretty hard to recognise. Let me give you a good Christmas example. St. Nicholas... Not sure if you know the story, but St. Nicholas was a real person. He was a bishop in a church in a town called Myra, uh, which we would call modern Turkey today, down on the coast. Now, we don't know a whole lot about St. Nicholas. We know that he lived around about the year 300, that he grew up in a wealthy family, and he saw that he could use his wealth to actually help people who were poor. He could use what he had to actually relieve the suffering of the poor. And one of the things that he was known for, apparently, was for leaving coins in children's shoes and in their socks. And that was a way that kids could wake up in the morning and be surprised by this gift that had come to them and they didn't know where it had come from. Jump ahead about a thousand years and the Dutch are moving over to the United States of America and they bring with them this tradition of remembering Saint Nicholas or Santa Claus as they called him. Saint Nicholas was 
the name, but Santa Claus was how it was pronounced. So they were celebrating that, but the name kind of stuck, but not as Santa Claus, but as Santa Claus. And then Coca-Cola went and spoiled it by putting some fat guy in a suit drinking Coca-Cola. But do you see how far we've moved from a bishop in Turkey trying to relieve the suffering of the poor to some guy who's drinking a bottle of Coca-Cola? The myth has taken over from the real thing, from the true story. And I think that a similar thing can happen when it comes to the Christmas story as well. The whole idea of Christmas can kind of get morphed and changed and modified. And, And do you know the place where you can see this most clearly? Breakfast television. This is the source of all great wisdom and insight in the world in which we live. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. But these are the people who have a true grasp on reality and will seek to explain it to us. See, once we hit December, there are all of these feel-good Christmas stories that they have on these morning breakfast shows. There are all kinds of things like gift suggestions for you or cooking ideas or stories about people's kindness and generosity. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but almost every one of those stories cuts back to the host of the TV show and they will say something like, it won't be these exact words, but it will be very close, they'll say something like, because that's what Christmas is really about. So family, that's the true meaning of Christmas. Or sharing food with friends, that's what Christmas is all about. Or being kind to your neighbours, that's the true meaning of Christmas. Now, I've had to assume the role of the grumpy old man in our house. Uh, Nobody else was willing to take it on and I seemed quite well suited to the job, so I'm doing it quite well, I believe. And as soon as I hear one of those TV morning hosts say, that's the true meaning of Christmas, I start yelling at the television. I start saying, no, no, it's not. That's not what Christmas is about. See, there's the myth that's crept in to overshadow the real message of Christmas, the true message of Christmas. Now, don't get me wrong, I love getting together with my family at Christmas. We had a fantastic night at my daughter's place last night. I spend the whole year looking forward to going to Christmas with my mum's family. The deviled eggs and the Christmas pudding are just sensational and can be found nowhere else on this planet. And I'm all in favour of kindness and generosity and especially at Christmas time if you feel that that's the best time to do it. And the feel-good stories that they have on those TV breakfast shows, they do make me feel good. But as great as all of that is, that's not the real meaning of Christmas. The myth can hide the truth, the real story. It's not hard to find the real meaning of Christmas. I mean, it's not as if it's some hidden mystery and you've got to dig deep to find it. It's right there in what we've been singing and reading here today. If you've got your Bible passages in front of you, have a look at Luke chapter 2. What does it say? Verse 10. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. A saviour has been born. God is sending a saviour into the world. And he's come as a baby, lying in a manger. 
And the message was, well, it couldn't have really been much clearer when it was given to Joseph. If you look at that Matthew passage, verse 20, but he had considered this and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is coming to save. That's the message that Joseph heard. God is sending a saviour because we need to be saved. But I have a funny feeling that might be why we prefer the myth rather than the real story. I don't think people like that idea that we need to be saved. I suppose it means it's a bit of a downer, isn't it, that whole idea of salvation. People would prefer to have a more positive view of themselves, that they're generous and kind and that they love their family and that they love good food, that we love those feel-good stories around Christmas time. But God sent us a saviour. He sent his own son to make it possible for us to be a part of God's family, for us to be able to know God, to enter into a relationship with God. And surely that's the best Christmas gift that we could ever be given. Surely that's got to be the feel-good story to top all feel-good stories, hasn't it? That God sent his son into this world to save us. In John's Gospel, John doesn't tell us about the birth of Jesus but he sums up pretty brilliantly why it is that Jesus has come. Let me read for you from John chapter 1. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus came into this world so that we can be born of God, part of God's family. Jesus came to save us, to make it possible for us to have that relationship with God. I hope you have a great day today. I hope that it's a day filled with all kinds of good Christmas emotions for you. I hope you also have a chance to reflect on the incredible gift that God has given us in his son Jesus.